0: Thank you for joining this Late Night Update, a um, deeper look into our inner circle. I'm telling the stories about love and war and lost and uh, love again and lost. Not necessarily in that order, but we've all been through it. I have a lot of very epic, weird, off-the-cuff stories that have happened in my life. I've, I've, I've traveled all over the world. I've uh, been lost in foreign countries, almost got in prison in Nicaragua, and I went to jail, all these places, and places you wouldn't imagine. But in 2008, I was in a relationship with a girl who was very serious, you know, and I was trying to out. and I said, I can be human too. I can be like everybody else, everything uh, everyone else is doing. I, I certainly want a successful personal life. And I've always been the guy that if I have a very good professional life, that the personal is like this and then vice versa. It's never been like, I don't know if anyone's like that. I don't know if anyone's like that. She convinced me because all her friends were doing to join the military. Oh, cool, I'm gonna join the United States Navy. I'm gonna sell around the world. And and, and this is gonna be amazing. And they pay me to go selling and, and I get my own uh, room and all this other stuff. And I could, you know, I'll take up a smoking habit too. and Man, I'm going to be tough. So, in my mind, I was thinking like this was going to be a carnival cruise and not a um, a working uh, trip and all this stuff. So, so it came time to uh, deploy and or, or to go to boot camp, I should say. I wasn't deploying anywhere. It didn't work out, and that's a long story. And I, you know, we're, we're friends today. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. But. Um, so she left two weeks before I was supposed to go. So she's out of the picture. Uh, it was a bad breakup. Like I, I think I, you know, I, I think I trashed the apartment. It was such a bad uh, breakup. I, I pulled like this Johnny Depp move and just. Depp was arrested in New York City on charges of criminal mischief after allegedly trashing his hotel room in the presence of girlfriend model Kate Moss. After that, I got stuck with the cats. So I had to raise cats that I didn't want. So I got I got stuck with the cats. I was very anti-cat. Very anti-cat. And then I became very pro-cat. I mean, because I raised the, it was the first thing, you know, I, I raised these two sister cats, but I was still going to the United States Navy. And I tend to, I forgot that. I forgot that. And I had to do it in two weeks. And I said, oh my God. So like the week came to do it. And I was just, you know, I was, I was drinking back then in my twenties and stuff. It came time to go. And I, I just, I think I kept drinking to talk myself into it. Uh, Bush was still president. I shipped out. So now I don't even know why I'm doing this at this point because I, she had me do it because of a $20,000 uh, signing bonus, which, which how they do it over six years. You know, it's like, you know, $100 here, $100. You know, you don't get the jackpot. That's what I wanted. I want the jackpot. Now it's time to leave. They have the going away party for me. That was great. Very sentimental. She's not in the picture. now. I'm going, I'm, now I'm in Chicago O'Hare Airport with all these other, they call them deppers or whatever, dippers, deppers, I don't know, everyone that's going to boot camp. And I said, well, wow, this is so cool. And if you, you kind of want to understand what what, what this whole scenario and vibe was, very Bill Murray in the movie Stripes. Very Bill Murray in the movie Stripes. So now I'm in my regular clothes. We're at the, and we're all sitting down on the ground. And there's about um, just like 50 young kids, 50 young kids in the Navy going into uh, boot camp. And then they had this uh, like like 21 year old, they call him petty officer. And I was, I was well into my twenties at that point, you know, somewhere in my mid or somewhere around there. And, um, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty set in my ways at that point. And so he's going around yelling at everyone. He goes, Hey, hey boy, what are you going to do, boy?
1: Hey boy, how are
0: you And I'm like, please don't, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. I'm not, I can't take the, I don't want anyone yelling at me. Don't yell at me. Please don't do it. And, and sure enough, he calls on me. I'm like, God damn it. And so he goes, hey, boy, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Well, actually, um, I'm an uh, air conditioning man. <laughs> and I thought, well, how cool is that? I can be the air conditioning man in the Navy and just sail the world like, uh, like uh, Sinbad. And, and so he goes, oh. And he goes, we got ourselves a, 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 an air conditioning man over here. Well, yeah, actually, we're called HVAC. Oh, we got ourselves a comedian. Well, I mean, I'm just telling you what it is. Well, I'll tell you what, f- you're gonna die. You're gonna go to Afghanistan with the Marines. And he just starts yelling at me, telling me I'm gonna die, I'm gonna get shot at by the Taliban and all this stuff. And I'm thinking the whole time he's telling me this, okay, and I'm thinking to myself, now I, I'm putting my logic to, to this, whereas I was just, you know, drunk for two weeks just drinking and drinking because I I didn't know what I was getting into. So now I'm thinking, okay, now I'm going to Afghanistan, which I don't know shit about, for a girl who I'm no longer with, with a bunch of people that are like 18, 19, 20, and and I'm like this old guy at this point, you know, sort of speak. And I said to myself, and I said, what the hell am I doing? I said, I'm an entertainer because I was doing a lot of music at that point. I said, I do not. So like this voice came to me. This voice came to me you were meant to do very big things. The, the voice of uh, the deity came and um, so I told the kid next to me and I said, hey man, we gotta get out of here. This is not for us, this is not for us. So it was really that scene out of stripe from Bill Murray and I said to him, we gotta go. And he said, no, 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 no. He's like 19. Just shit through it. No, because we had to have our heads down. I gotta go, I got things to do. Uh, it was nice knowing you. I take my bag uh, with all my clothes in it and they go, they have to use the bathroom. Sit your ass in. You're not taking that bag nowhere. Yeah, and they do sound like Foghorn Leghorn from the cartoon. It, it, that's just not me ad living. They really do sound like Foghorn Leghorn. So now I'm like, oh great. I can't take all my clothes and all my necessities in the bag. So I have to use whatever it has. So I had like two shirts and a, like a little sweater. And I go to the restroom and I said. Okay, I'm gonna undo this, part my hair this way, and I walk out of the restroom. They'd even see me. One of these things, and I, and I walk out, and I get into a cab. In Chicago, Chicago O'Hare Airport, 2008, and I get in there, and I told the guy, like just like you've seen in all the films, I said, Just go, take me downtown. I don't care where. Give me on it. escaped. I escaped and I felt like I escaped Alcatraz. It was the weirdest, most re- re- uh, relieving feeling uh, ever. Almost like a, a kidney stone, I would imagine. It just You had this kidney stone of, of going to Afghanistan, uh, getting shot at by the Taliban, but yet wanting to kill the petty officer who's yelling at me. That's the logic in my head. Like I would be getting shot at by, by the Taliban, but my whole focus was, how am I going to shoot this guy? forget the towel heads. I want to shoot this guy. So I knew I couldn't be there and I knew I had bigger things to do. So he drops me off. He drops me off in uh, downtown Chicago. Um, I think, I believe it was the hard rock cafe or, or the uh, house of blues and all that. And mind you, it's three days before Thanksgiving. One of my favorite holidays because I love pumpkin pie and that's how I, um, uh, value and measure my holidays that I'd like, depending on what I'm eating. That's the typical American way. So I get off and, and I go into the, uh, the hard rock cafe and it's a free concert for a band called shiny toy guns. No. So I go in there and I meet, I meet somebody and, uh, they gave me shelter. I don't know what it was at the first time in Chicago. I'm in a place called, uh, cause I was asked to leave the next morning. That's so, so now I'm wandering around in a cold ass winter, Vortex in Chicago, in Boys Town. Now, I didn't know what Boys Town was. I didn't know what Boys Town was. But I, let's just say I found out right away what Boys Town was. It was the, uh, the Castro District of Chicago. It is the, uh, the, the uh, Juicy smole where he did his little psy up on us. Yeah, I was right there. Roaming around, lost uh, didn't know where it was. I just knew the Sears tower was that way. And I've always heard about the Sears tower. You know, I said, well, at least if I'm here, cause now at this point, I'm like, I cannot go back. I cannot go back. So, uh, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to go see where Oprah does her thing. I'm going to have a, a deep dish pizza and get overcharged for it. And I'm going to go see the Sears tower and I'm going to start a new life here. And, uh, yeah. And, and whatever girl this is that I met, um, yeah, I'll stick it out and maybe we'll, Become an item just because I do not want to go home in the humiliation. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you saw the party that I had before I left, you would understand that you cannot replicate that. So I'm roaming around and it's getting cold. And, you know, I won't go into the entire things of, of, of Chicago because, uh, you know, I, I wound up in South Side Chicago at one point And, you know, this is before I knew anything. That's how dumb I was. Yeah, so I'm in South Side Chicago and uh, just the, the, the most nefarious groups of people. And I wound up like at a roach motel and I said, OK, I can't do this anymore. I only had like two hundred dollars on me. I said, I'm going to have to make that call home. So I did. It was one of the most um, humiliating calls ever. And uh, and I said, well, I'd like to make it home before Thanksgiving. So now it became so it started with the, the film Stripes from Bill Murray. Now we're now bleeding into uh, planes, trains and automobiles and And uh, getting home before thanksgiving it was was the objective. So so I did. I in it home, and uh, you know my mother's husband, uh, he never spoke to me again. He was so uh, disappointed and ashamed, you know because he he's Mr. Prestige. You know, Mr. Prestige, you are nobody until that uh, you have that um, doctorate's degree you know job that everyone looks up to. So he's Mr. Prestige because at this point now, I know what my trajectory is. I'm now home. I made it for Thanksgiving at one of the most awkward Thanksgivings ever. And uh, but I know what my trajectory is. It's to do something that can allow me to be creative, allow me to uh, uh, get things off my uh, brain and chess and, and you know, kind of what we're doing here in music and all that. And uh, so, so I started working at uh, UPS, believe it or not, because I, I didn't know I'm in my 20s and just holiday work. That's when I met somebody who was a, a friend, and she told me about this movie that we have to watch. I said, okay, well, whatever, and this was in Newport Beach. So she told me, we got to watch this movie called Obama Deception, Obama Deception by the Alex Jones, and I said, okay, yeah, sure, and I'll tell you what, that's why I can relate to people uh, who are waking up right now, and, I, and I, we watched that film, and that was the first time in my life that I ever had another look at 9-11 And and said, oh, my God. And she said the same thing. And it was, oh, my God, hide under the covers. Oh, my God, we got to get out of here. We we have to get out of California at that time. We talked about going to Texas and, and, you know, all these things. I woke up to that and it just changed everything. Changed everything. And uh, I I saw things. And because at that point, you know, to me, alternative was Fox News. It was the alternative to CNN. Or or Bill O'Reilly, you know, he's telling it like it is, you know, and that was the mentality. That was part of the awakening where we are today. I didn't know any better. That happens now. I'm now I'm getting into, you know, getting into the uh, the Ron Pauls, getting into the, what what this Federal Reserve is, uh, getting into, uh, you know, Alex Jones uh, had great guests on his show. That was the thing about that platform is, you know, you would discover the great minds. You know, and, and people you could not find on the mainstreams on that show, and it just it opened up a whole Pandora's box of uh, what could be, and what what really wasn't, and what might happen in the future from people that are trying to enslave the world. I, I understood it. I learned the articulation of it. I learned what the military was really being used for, and just everything from from shots to and all these things. I learned, and I learned that. From now on, these are the type of people I want to be around, the people that see the world for what it is and, and or at least have some kind of inclination of, of what it could be and what it's not. And that was uh, that was her. That was her. This particular person. Lisa, it is quite a story of great proportion of uh, how I turned into the um, unusual uh, person I am today. But that moment of waking up. So continuing here, so now I'm, I'm back from this uh, big Navy thing, right? You know, and I supported the, the efforts of the military and all these things from what I knew. You know, there was no me uh, going and researching where I was from. There was never people like this in my circle. So I, I didn't know what I don't know. I, I've now escaped the Navy, thank God, because somebody was going to die. Um, it could have been me. I could have been chasing the dragon too. I'm well aware of that. Uh, so now I'm back in this girl woke me up, this girl. And I, I've known her for a few years at that point. So then we lose touch, then we lose touch and I go my own way and I'm getting into the uh, music thing. And uh, again, now I'm starting to play Hollywood and now I'm doing everything grandiose at that point. Uh, th- there, there was no you know, small step. Uh, why don't I go to a trade school? Why don't I just stick it out in college? I know I'm, I'm leapfrogging to uh, the top at that point because I knew, and subconsciously, my grandparents who who um, adopted me were were much older than uh, I want to say maybe people's grandparents. You know, we're talking born in the '20s. So I knew I had to do something big so they can see it and appreciate it and um, enjoy it with me. And even if they didn't understand, they would see that I'm okay and I'm doing something worthwhile. I'm doing something that they can appreciate. So I was always trying to up my game, and the ends always justified the means for me. Now I'm playing music in a band, okay? At this point in time in the music business, so 2010, I see things changing, you know, the the rock music. You know, nobody's going out anymore to go see live music. trying to figure out how do I... uh, reinvent the wheel and all these things. And, and I'll spare you from all those uh, moments of uh, discovery. But I, I decided that what I wanted to see is what should be done. And that was to have uh, live fashion shows with just beautiful models walking on a runway while the band played. And, and I said, I just want to recreate that in the local scene, in the bar scene. And, mm-hmm. and, and then within a four-month time period, I wound up playing the Rio... Hotel Casino in Las Vegas. It's like my like, real big first show. The playing, you know, the House of Blues in Hollywood and And then I even made it all the way up to Olympia Arena in London for the Great British Tattoo Show. So all these things. What an experience this is. I mean, not many people can say they were on the rooftop of the Rio Hotel in Vegas and get approached by Master P and his people asked me if I would do a birthday fashion show for his son. I guess his son was a little bow. Wow. And in my hearts of hearts, I wanted to say, hell no, get the hell away from me. In reality, I knew that the edge of the hotel was just yay under and they could be holding me upside down, uh, threatening to drop me like vanilla ice, you know, like it happened to him. So I said, Oh, no problem. You Just tell me when we'll, we'll get it done. You know? So I, again, I wasn't a fashion designer. I was not, um, any of that. But I was, I love the event. It's to me, the event and the thrill of anything could go wrong at any time is uh, very exciting to me. And and I think that's what I get to to this day. I I love the fact the risk and controlling the risk. I get off on that. So, so I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I even go all the way to uh, London fashion week. In 2012, I went up moving to Liverpool, England, if you can imagine, and moving in with my aunt, who literally looks and sounds like Mrs. Doubtfire, and I'm not even kidding. She, I mean, when she would tell me help is on the way, I could not help myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I get there, now, now I'm in England, and I'm just like, I'm, I have to hurry to, to fulfill this dream to show my grandparents that I am doing something on a grand global scale at this point. So now I'm in London Fashion Week. Wow. All right. And literally the people that go to London Fashion Week, I don't know if you've seen, heard about it, been. So it, it's by, you know, right in the heart of uh, London, you know, right in the heart of uh, Somerset House, Piccadilly, sir, all that stuff. And the people that go to these things, uh, you thought it was a joke. You thought it was a joke, but they really look like they are from Zoolander. The, the most oddest clothes, the weirdest uh, hats the, you know, the, the look, especially the German ones, the German uh, fashion people are literally from, like, inner earth. You're like, that, that's fashion? I mean, that, that looks like you are just crawled out of a, a moon rock from Mars. I was representing the band, and the brand name, and I was trying to get a show there, and, uh, you know, I had meetings with the biggest PR people in London, and they were the PR people for Gordon Ramsay, and so you go in their office, you see Gordon Ramsay on a big picture, just him screaming, and... Uh, oddly enough, it was uh, for a brand called Pretty Green from Liam Gallagher of Oasis. Uh, they wanted to do a show with me. So now I'm literally sitting at the uh, table here, uh, and, and I have people looking at me like I am literally the the king of fashion. I had uh, His and Hers magazine UK do uh, spreads on me. I was just on the covers of these things. Well, I was not six foot four, six foot five, and I uh, put, you know, I. Certainly tried one time, and I hope to God nobody finds that runway Uh, footage. It was really bad, really bad. It just, uh, okay, so this is all working on. I'm trying to do it, and I'm trying. And then the girl that woke me up, she's doing her thing now. Now she's in a band, and every time there's something good going on for her, uh, and things are positive for her, I am an afterthought. I am a thumbprint on a skyscraper. I am what, uh, what Jesus is for people that go to prison for a long time. I am to her meaning I'm not discovered until you are literally uh, on, in the gutter on your last leg and in a, a Turkish prison where that's where I hang out. So, you know, this is where this girl finds me. And this happens in like three, four year reciprocals, just on and on and on. It's like the worst um, romantic comedy horror movie ever made. Yeah, so they're in England on top of the world, looking down on creation going up and down the, the uh, small country of England, which was a very different country eight years ago, living in Liverpool. And then, uh, so now I get back to Liverpool and my, my, my wonderful Mrs. Doubtfire inspired aunt tells me- oh, oh, Dean, it's not part of the bargain. You, you have to go. I love to have you, love. But I've got to watch Emmerdale. I got to watch it nightly. And you, you, you're just getting in the way of my friends that want to come over. So she tells me I have to go after she told me to move there and then like teach music for the center that she bought with my, my dead uncle's money. But now I have to go. And I have to go because of the following, because after my uncle died, she got into online dating and she's like in her seventies at this point. So she was having random men come to her house and have a good time with her. And then just, she would just, you know, like whistle next. So that house that I was in, it was a, a quasi brothel that I was in the way of, unbeknownst to me, and I cannot tell you how disturbing that was. How disturbing? How? And it was a place called Rainhill Village, by Merseyside. In case anyone from England's watching, Rainhill Village. So I, I have to go now, and uh, so now uh, I have to go. So what she does, and, and my cousins, you know, want nothing to do with it. And my second cousins, all these other people, and so now she she gets my I get my bag. In my hat, in my little coat, I literally looked like a Paddington bear. I mean, I, the only thing I was missing was a, a jar of marmalade. And not only that, she drops me off in the town center and it's raining, it's raining, and I look like Paddington bear. And it's raining on me, and Mrs. Doubtfire is dropping me off in the middle of the village that was deserted. So what am I going to do? So I did naturally what you have to do in that situation. I went to an Indian restaurant that just so happened to me open. Sir, are you are you ready for your table? you ready to eat? Oh, no, I, I'm waiting for someone. It's raining outside. What am I going to do? Stand there with my briefcase and my umbrella and my jar of marmalade? So I said, no, 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 no sir, sure. sir. Sure. Just wait. sir, sure. are you late? Wait. And, you know, they have the weird, they have the honest names. His name was uh, like Peter Johnson. It's never, you know, their, their birth name. I said, uh, Mr. Johnson, please wait. So now I'm going in this Indian store. I said, okay, what am I going to do? I'm in a foreign country. I don't have cell phones or mobiles. Uh, I, I look like a, a cartoon bear stuffed animal, whatever. And I'm in an Indian uh, restaurant, and I do not like Indian food whatsoever. So uh, to make a long story short, I, I wound up roaming through uh, Liverpool and all these things, staying at um, hostels and meeting all kinds of people. I found out what a hen party was. Uh, there's no hens involved. It's actually uh, women who get married. It's a, like a bachelor party that I invited myself to. And uh, I was just roaming, roaming. And I'll tell you what, that's why I have a lot of affection and, uh, for the north of England. And particularly uh, Liverpool is some of the, the greatest and warmest people I've ever met in my life, and the nicest people that just want to get to know you. Live in the places that I've been to in, in England, really, really, just down earth, and uh, I just loved it. And the beer was amazing. I mean, I was drinking a lot of beer and, and, and eating a lot of uh, what was I, a lot of you know sausage rolls and meat pies and crisps. I mean like I've never eaten before. I was just eating everything I could. I was just consuming the culture through the vehicle of food. And now I'm lost in this culture and I'm lost in Liverpool and I'm lost uh, from ever getting home and I'm just so childlike. Even when customs, when I arrived there, they asked me how long was I staying? I said, oh, I don't know. At that time I thought I could stay forever. I mean, because my, my aunt, you know, this is how stupid I was. Stupid. I'm actually ashamed of myself the more I tell these stories. I have to get home. I get to Manchester. I take a cab from Manchester. And if you've never seen people from Manchester, they uh, they, have, they have a lot of tattoos, some of them. Uh, they love Las Vegas. Uh, they have a leftover mullet from the 80s. Some of them do. And they have a, a real affection for um, Florida for some reason. They buy houses there. So the, these particular British people. And he said, and so he takes me to the airport and uh, And I said, finally, I'm going home and I bought a ticket and it was a steal from Manchester to L.A. I got a three hundred dollar ticket. And I said, good, I'm getting I'm give me the Jack Daniels. The bar is officially open. I'm going home and I'm so sick of Mrs. Doubtfire ruining my life, dropping me off in the rain next to a puddle. So when the the, the car comes, the puddle just splashes me like like you've seen. And that happened. And when it did happen, I couldn't believe it was happening. It was so cliche, but it happened. So now I'm at the airport and, uh, and I'm getting ready to go. And then as I, it's about like four or five in the morning, I'm getting on the uh, plane, I'm ready to, and I realize something. I said, oh, dear God, I'm a complete idiot. And I'm drunk right now, there's not much I can do about it. I accidentally purchased a uh, plane ticket from Manchester, New Hampshire to Los Angeles, not Manchester, England. So now I'm extremely screwed in the middle of nowhere, and I, I, I'm extremely drunk, because I got really drunk at that airport. I got so drunk, I was buying people in the terminal shots of Jack Daniels that didn't even want to drink. So I, so I was threatening people to drink with me. You ever get that? You ever get that, Not that way where you start threatening people, like, hey, you're going to drink with me or there's going to be hell before. So now I say, what the hell am I going to do? I'm awake to the world. I got a girl that may or may not want to have anything to do with me that, that was awakened with me. And, and, and all these things. And I'll tell you what, I, I managed to talk to Egyptian airlines. And I told them that uh, there was a mistake in the uh, ticket, and it was their fault. But uh, then I said, well, to be honest, it might have been the French. For some reason, I had an idea that the Egyptian airlines had some kind of rivalry with the uh, French airline. And uh, long well, they did, actually. And so they, I said, just give me a flight out of here. I, I did, and then they said the only flight they had available was a flight from Manchester, England to Costa Rica, San Jose, Costa Rica. And I said, okay, well, I don't really have summer clothes, and I wasn't planning on this, but that's closer to L.A., so I'll take it. So now I'm on Egyptian Airlines sitting next to Baghdadi and his uh, five kids all in backpacks and... Uh, 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 his wife, who you just saw the eyelashes of, and I'm sitting on this plane with them, and you know, I don't know what it is. Too Has deodorant not been discovered in, in these regions of the world? I mean, uh, my God, there was not a, a clothespin that could have just prevented the the uh, leakage uh, now going into my pores, and with my Jack Daniels uh, soaked body, intoxicated body, imagine that scene. Yeah, England has a lot of uh, unusual imams. So, I get to Costa Rica, and 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 I'm still on the kind of the high of I just did London fashion week and all this stuff. I get to Costa Rica, and uh, I didn't know. So I I had a friend who had a friend by the beach, and they said, "Get to this place by the beach, mind the crocodiles, and you should be okay." And I said, "Well, what the hell is this? Indiana Jones? You're going to give me the map and the legend? Do I got to swing there from a vine? Is 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 there an old man I'm supposed to meet at the uh, top of the uh, mountain?" You know, all these things. I just, I'm just i trying to get home. I've been on the weirdest journey of my life that started in Chicago, that had me in the depths of a Piccadilly circus that has uh, sat me next to the Bin Laden family on the uh, Egyptian Airlines. <sighs> By the way, they don't tip. Very cheap. Now I'm in Costa Rica, uh, dressed as Paddington Bear, where it's hotter than hell. Um, I haven't used Spanish in years. It took... A total of four years of it, two in high school, two in college, and it did—it meant absolutely nothing because I've never used it and I forgot it all. And I never paid attention when I was in the class. And and so now I'm in Costa Rica and I said, what am I going to do? So I wound up living like uh, in a a little hut, uh, living off coconuts and chopping them with a machete uh, and uh, potatoes and lime and waiting on money transfers that were impossible to get. And uh, just swimming and just, I said, I, I think I might be stuck here for the rest of my life, living on an island, like, an, like, a, like Gilligan's Island, like a castaway. And uh, and I did. So I was like there for three weeks. And, and I'll tell you, um, Haco Beach. If you have never been to Costa Rica, Haco Beach, uh, which it's kind of changed. There's a lot of prostitutes now, but there wasn't as many uh, back then from what I hear. So that happened, and I wanted, so make a long story short, or to make a long story not as long, because it's been long, and, and you've been so gracious, uh, I went up going back to, uh, you know, L.A., as people see it, but Orange County, and thank God I did. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but uh, I said, this has been an experience, and it was 2012. It was the um, the Mayan calendar, everything, everything. You know, the, the Ron Paul, all that stuff, all that stuff. And I said, what am I going to do? And I'll tell you what happened is, the following months going into 13, that was the game changer, and uh, I lost it. I, I got sued by VH1. Okay, I got sued by VH1's Fashion Rocks to uh, take my show. My show is called Fashion Rock Show, it's a similar concept, but whatever. And uh, they, they're, they're gonna take me to federal court in New York. So now I'm, I'm like, God, I just got home now. I'm getting ready to go to, to federal court. What am I like, Larry Flint, The People versus Dean Ryan? I mean, this is insane. I just survived England and the, 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 uh, the Scouses and all the Liverpudlians now I'm going. And so all this stuff happened. Now I'm getting ready to go to federal court. So I can't believe this. So I I asked my friend, Clyde, I said, Clyde, I need a lawyer. I need a lawyer. I need it now. Uh, I, I, this is my livelihood. I mean, everyone's always trying to steal my work from me to this day, to this day. Christine's here. She remembers this adventure. Uh, Christine, thank you for joining. Um, I Thought you were in the witness protection program. Glad to see you are still alive. Yeah, Christine was there because I had a fashion show going on in LA and she uh, helped produce it. And so I was on the phone with these people on how to do it. And I'm back and I'm getting ready for court. And, um, and so my friend got me this lawyer, like this Obi-Wan Kenobi lawyer, this Mr. Miyagi type. He was this older man from New York or from Chicago, but from originally from New York, old Jewish lawyer. And he actually wound up being the lawyer For Sammy the Bull, the uh, Joe Pesci character in Casino, this was the lawyer for that group, that mafia group that got them off. Not off, but got them out of uh, legal hot water in prison. This was that lawyer. He was supposed to be in the movie Casino. Martin Scorsese asked him to be in it, and he said, no, I don't want to be in it because the idea in the memory of my client getting hit in the, uh, the cornfields with baseball bats, him and his brother, I cannot bear to think about that again. Yeah. Larry Worksman. Good man, good man, uh, grumpy, but good, good man. And so anyways, he he won the case for me. I never had to go there. So anyways, thank you everybody for joining us on this late night update. Say thanks for uh, allowing us to share and bear our souls tonight as in yours as well. So I just want to tell you, stay tuned, stay awake. Good night, everybody. But this week has just been so bizarre. I had to make a quick trip to a, a former city where I lived on a quick uh, plane ride to retrieve some of the things from my apartment, my uh, clothing, uh, some family mementos and my guitars. Yes, I had my guitars back and I am quite happy about that because it, it, it's been a long time. It's stuff I had not seen since uh, pre-plandemic era. So I, I went to the airport and I got to tell you, I'm the only man in the two airports that I went to, who was a maskless. The question is, as you can see here, the mask mandate, mandated mandate it says federal law is where does the federal end in the state begin? Because that's, that's really what it comes down to. I just, I, I don't wear it. So, right here. The biggest and vast amounts of runnings Look at this Just this. This an update. So we get on the plane with Frontier. Frontier Airlines. And let's just say, uh, to be cliche, it is the last Frontier for me. But uh, we get on the plane, and uh, everybody, the who's who of the carnival crowd was there and uh, everyone's five to eight kids were there as well with their gold chains and gold teeth. And uh, that's fine. Everything stopped and the SWAT team came on the plane to escort a terrorist off the airplane. And said, my God, it feels very reminiscent of 9-11, I thought. And everyone had their mask on. And the uh, HBIC, the head something in charge who's also a CDC undercover uh, physician and just happens to work as a uh, stewardess on the side. Uh, she made sure that she got the measurements with the protractors out to make sure my mask. And I said, and I, and I made sure I said, I said, thank you, doctor. Thank you for your uh, wonderful resilience and bravery in being on the front line, uh, making sure us prisoners have our mask on. Thank you very much. Oh, no, she wasn't having any of that. You're not allowed to talk back to the to the head physician in charge there for Frontier Airlines uh, Medical Center. But whatever, I said, you know, I'll I'll bite my tongue for a change. I sat down and then that's when the SWAT team came to escort the terrorists out. Now, you may be asking yourself, Dean, you were on a a plane with a a terrorist and she this person had a, a weapon of war or a bomb or something worse, worse this terrorist on the plane with us didn't have her mask on properly and put our lives in danger and i said oh god what is she thinking i held my breath for a good 30 seconds until she was off the plane and naturally being part of the collective being part of the uh the very dumbed down low iq cheeto fingers government cheese collective they begin to clap and cheer and, and scoff at this terrorist for not complying with the, not the laws, uh, with the corporate terms and services of our new constitution, our new magna carna called the corporate terms and service policies, because we live in a world made of apps ran by terms and services uh, probably will be the name of my new book. Once I write one, she, everyone's scoffing her. Uh, you know, I wanted to be the wild hair of the bunch. I wanted to be the red headed stepchild. And I said, guys, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are we scoffing in and not jeering at the airlines for adopting the uh, most ridiculous, laziest narrative uh, known to man, which is this uh, virus from a bat that loved us. Why, why are we, why are we, um, scouring and scoffing at the individual no one had an answer so then i get to a point where i start answering my own questions like uh you know any lawyer oh it's because we've never heard this kind of talk you know so i really dumbed down my talk anyways we take off and about 20 minutes left in the flight i'm, I'm and just so you know i i did an all nighter sunday into monday morning working on a special because I knew I was gonna miss Monday here at class and I wanted to play it, but so I worked all night. I was, you know, I'm tired. I I probably should have eaten more that morning and didn't eat much, but whatever. About 15, 20 minutes in the flight, I am feeling nauseous, like carsick, nauseous, but like carsick plus seasick and everything sick. And I had the uh, slave mask over my beak very hard to breathe. I felt like I was breathing a, a Chinese man's foot from Beijing. You could just smell it because you know they use them to mop the floors there. So I was smelling Xi Jinping's feet. I said, Oh god, this is terrible. Gym socks smell better. And by the way, I'm getting sick because the turbulence is just out of control so, you know, every time you hear turbulence, you're like, okay, this is how I'm going to die. Okay, let's see, who am I going to think about before I die? You know, so you, so you go through the Rolodex of people you want to think about and wish them well. So now I'm hunched over. And the one time, the one time I'm ready to use the hurling bag, the throw up vomit bag that they all promote, you know, where they get the seat belts and they do the whole procedure, the ceremonial thing and you know, exits that way. And then here's the lunch bag in case you vomit. The one time I need it, it's not there. I said, damn it, just my luck. So they expect me to vomit inside my mask and then put it, you know, just back in. So I said, I can't do this, I'm getting clammy, I'm getting really cold, I'm about to pass out. I have two, uh, I think they were from Brazil, so then understand all the signals and hands and English I was saying about, you know, I'm, I'm about to throw up, please. So anyways, I get up, I go to the back, Uh, to the bathroom to the laboratory and I'm like I have to rush and here we have the prison guard aka the prison attendant saying sir you put that mask on right now you put that on you know you put it on or you're you know we're gonna call your parent you know it's like I'm back in high school like for dangerous minds like you know for San Quentin University and I'm like okay I don't care what he says I'm about to vomit And, and and it's just it's it's coming so he said, like, oh, okay, okay, we'll go in there. I'm like, okay, all right, we'll go in there. So again, in there, you, we've all been in the, uh, the, the airplane airplane bathrooms. They're as big as uh, like a tiny suitcase, whatever, vomiting. And it's just, imagine being in a cage and it's just rattling even more so than where it was on your seat. But now times like 50, plus the aromas, the, whatever was there. So that's even knocking me out a little bit more, and then causing more. It's like a vicious cycle of turbulence, shaking, stress from the prison guard right outside the door, the uh, the unbelievable, indescribable, nasty aromas from Frontier, and uh, just the, the the stress of it all. And I'm nauseous, so I'm dry heaving all that stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I got to get out here. I'm claustrophobic. I'm claustrophobic. In the mask it's too much i try to go out and that's when all hell ensued he made sure he stopped the door and sir, sir faa regulations prohibit you from coming out here and being in front of the uh, emergency exit door unless you're fully trained uh, with the manual and sir you need to wear a mask i know you're dying i know you're vomiting everywhere and can't breathe and are about to have cardiac arrest but sir you need to do it with a mask on Okay, I said, well, okay, well, I need to do it with the mask on and he wouldn't budge. So I was falsely imprisoned in a, a, a frontier bathroom against my will and I'm thinking the whole time, I said, this is what Wesley Snipes, passenger 57 felt like. I said, this is it right now. This is my moment to be that nineties film action star right here, how am I gonna do this? Uh, am, I gonna, uh, just, uh, am I gonna beat his ass? Am I gonna kick his ass right in front of everybody? Uh, Well, that might be a federal, I don't know, offense. Who knows? Because these people don't mess around. These people are lock and step with all the procedures of this Event 201, of this Operation Lockstep, of this SPARS 2025. Yeah, look into that. They called security on me. And this all is in line with what so many Americans, so many people around the world are experiencing They need to travel for work, for family. Uh, Hardly anyone's traveling for leisure these days because they don't want to put up with the warden and uh, his deputies. Locking me in a bathroom. I mean, imagine, imagine the authority that is going through the veins of these Uh, nobodies, but who have been indoctrinated and granted power over you, over your sovereignty, over your body, over your wellness. Uh, So so Jason is his name. Jason, with the shiniest bald head I've ever seen, is now the um, jury executioner, and apparently judge and physician. It was the most excruciating painful experience. I mean, usually I'm the guy would, that would film it, but I'm hunched over and I, I, I've never felt so ill. I've never felt so ill. Uh, and naturally, at least I could do, I, I ridiculed him and his colleague uh, like, like uh, no one's ever ridiculed them before. I, I told them that uh, my, my wishes for them are to uh, get the miracle jab and die immediately. And I've even sanctioned myself and volunteered to administer it at will they just say the word i'll be there and make sure they get it and i'll pin him down and i told him this and i told them when the nuremberg trials come i'm going to make sure that he is handled accordingly and i'm going to make sure i get to pull the lever too and hold him down just like i was in the bathroom dying god and I was sick for the rest of the day and, and then the next day too. And so I, I do apologize for being tardy now. Coming home, I now I have my stuff. Certainly didn't fly again. Uh, and I wish I took footage. And oh, by the way, he called security on me and I love the security. So, so now we're parked and landed. So I said, you're gonna call security to uh, escort me off the plane in this long line. Well, let's, let's bring it. So as soon as I get out, he made sure, he told the teacher on me to uh, make sure he controlled the narrative so I don't make up any lies. Before I can even explain this, I said, sir, before you t- talk to me, you need to wear a mask, all this stuff. So anyways, so I went to the restroom right, right after I got off the plane and guess who's there in the restroom, alone in the urinal, in the back, the same guy that was imprisoning me. This is poetic justice. Oh yeah. So he's doing his business. I walk right up behind him and I said, Well, well, look who's here, just you and I. And then, so he's peeing and then he turns around and he goes, and then I swear to God, I'm sorry, but I I turned into a pale white ghost. And when I realized, oh dear God, This is completely someone else, and I said I, I said I really want to apologize. I, I know this is not going to sound believable. I really thought you were someone else, the, the flight attendant, and, and I tried to explain it, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So, you know, sometimes poetic justice comes months and months, sometimes never at all, but. Um I don't know if I told you, I was telling the audience last night on World at War, is I got a loud knock on my door uh, yesterday due to what happened to me two weeks ago. If you're unaware, I don't think you were here, is um, uh, I had cops bang on the door. Right. And as I was getting into the shower and I'm like, oh, my God, who is at the door? Please. I didn't order a pizza or anything. But it was the cops, you know, a cop knock when you hear one. Yeah. And because uh, it was before a show and I got, I was, I was a little angry before the show and I was having a discussion on the phone. Apparently I was a little louder than I thought. And it's probably due to the new earbuds. And so they said, we got complaint of a, a domestic uh, violence uh, happening here. And I'm thinking here, wait, who <laughs> else is here? It's like, yeah. What, what am I doing? Hurting yeah. myself. <laughs> I said, see, shadow boxing again. Yeah. Hurting myself. <laughs> and it was the, the weirdest thing because i i was like in I i didn't have any you know, available towels so i had like this i don't know the size like a sample towel that's you know yay well, <laughs> yeah, and i'm and like you know towel. exactly a, a napkin yes and they did the typical cop thing where they're um are you sure no one's here then what are these things <laughs> yeah, Who are you, you sure no one's yeah. here <laughs> i'm like okay Okay, I I think I took uh, criminal uh, justice as well, you know, for, for a summer. Like, okay, and he was doing his little, you know, mind games. And, you know, he had cauliflower ears because, you know, cops are MMA fighters these days. So so that happened. So what took place yesterday, I got the... Bu- 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 bu, and I'm like, oh, what? what do they want again? Uh, who, okay, wh- wh- what seems to be happening here? What's happening? And so it wasn't the cops this time. It was... It was weird. Well, it was about a five foot three, uh, gingered haired, uh, like woman, 30, whatever, some, maybe I don't know, 40. And she goes, Hi, uh, I'm your neighbor below. I just got dropped off by the mental board. Can you help me? I'm thinking, oh my God. <laughs> I said, oh my God, they found me. The Manson family 2.0 is back. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I was bewildered. I'm like, uh, <laughs> she literally just got dropped off, this woman. I mean, this is a serious thing. And she had a Ziploc bag, okay? She had a Ziploc bag, and, oh and it had psych ward SSR drugs in it. The ones that, like, are in the, the Benadryl casings, in, in, like, in the foil still. So I the asked her, I said, one at a time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like they're, you know, seized candies, you know, like a so, so I asked her, I said, Are, are, are those the um, are those the drugs, uh, the SSRI drugs that they gave you? She goes, Uh uh-huh. So, naturally, I don't know, something you know, um, told me, Have you ever tried mushrooms? <laughs> better time to bring it up than the most. Awkward it's the holistic way the mushrooms. yeah that's where i was getting to i was it's a holistic way not that i'm selling you any so she goes and so she said she just got here and and i'm like you know to to the area or to earth you know like yeah. you just got here <laughs> to, to this and, planet um, yeah to this planet to this planet and she said that um she didn't have a fun, she didn't have any food and and her phone, and her husband took her phone away, and she doesn't know where they are, and she doesn't know what to do next. Out of all the people, to, to uh, you know, she knocked on my door, where I'm like all spaced out, and my hair is here, and my shirt's missing, and um, I, you know I was sweating profusely for some reason. So and, when you opened the door, she was like ching. No, she was like here, you might need these. And I said, thank you. So I, I, I'm like, can I, um, you know, and she's all spaced out. And I'm like, okay. so then I said, Would, can I get you a loaf of bread? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I get you a loaf of bread? Um, which, I mean, what do you say? I, I mean, I'm thinking of what I have. That was pretty good for that situation, though. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Can I get you a Hot Pocket? Just wait two minutes. You know? Then she's like, oh, oh, no, no, no. Then she starts becoming a a chooser. No, just a few pages. Oh, are you watching the carbs? Yeah, Virginia Wolf, you're absolutely correct. It was sketchy, very Manson Mm -hmm. Uh family-esque. So, so I'm like, you know what, there's this holiday bread I haven't eaten. And uh, anyway, so I gave it to her, it was like this. And then here you go on your way now and uh, go to the uh, recreational uh, room and I'm sure they can help you from there. She goes, where, where is it? Uh, over there, go that way. So she went and that was it. And I'm thinking, God, please don't come back. Please don't come back. Please don't come back, please don't So anyways, about an hour later, the door rings, the doorbell and goes you know and I'm thinking, oh no, it rings, it rings, it rings. And I hear that doorbell and I leaped up like the WB frog. I just leaped out of my I said, oh God no yeah, she's back knew who it was already. <laughs> I knew who it was it was and it's not one of those incidents instances where you can say no one's home or anything <laughs> uh, or turn your lights off and close your blinds because she just saw me earlier. And beneath me now, beneath me. And by the way, there was no one beneath me for the greater part of a year. And <laughs> the last person beneath me was, I swear, it was a brothel. They were running downstairs. And believe I, I know because when things were engaging with, uh, you know, two people, I, it's like I was right there with them. You that's know? when I should have visited. It was during Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so this visitor. So the doorbell rings. I get, I get freaked out. I leaped and I said... You know, I do one of these things, like I'm Sonny Crockett, you know, and um, I opened the door and I'm like, oh, I forgot I ordered groceries. And it's this rando chick delivering groceries. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> she, she was looking at me and she said, are you OK? <laughs> are you OK? He's like, I'm fine. Then he's like kissing her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we made out after and no. So, so that happened. Now, during this whole time, I'm thinking, God, I hope, I hope her husband or somebody picked her up and she goes back to Kansas or whatever. And Mike, can I buy you a, a plane ticket to Kansas? We'll just drop you off. Or a bus ticket? Would you like to ride with Greyhound? It did me wonders. Would you like Greyhound points? So, anyways, fast forward to today, this morning, and first time there's not a lot of air traffic too early. So I'm sleeping fine. And around nine 30, 10, I hear, I'm like, Oh dear God. No. And it, it's one of those things. You don't know if you heard a knock or if you're still dreaming and people are knocking right. in your dream. I was too scared to even look. Cause I, I knew it. And I, I could hear the footsteps where it, it sounded like, I think I heard her again. It sounds like Godzilla yeah. drf, 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 up, up the stairs. Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty damn sure it was her. And so I, I played possum and uh, hid under my covers like anyone else would do. You remember uh, Brigitte Fonda from Single White Female? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Similar situation here is uh, <laughs> there is a psychotic person just feet away from me, and I don't know what to do about it. And uh, other than just, I don't know, insulate myself here and, and uh, barricade. Here's so, the main factor, though, Dean. Did she look similar to Brigitte Fonda? You know, uh, that's what I was weighing out when I was talking to her and we were having our first initial interview is, who does she remind me of? And I came up, uh, so far all I got was Eric Stoltz. She reminds me of Eric Stoltz. <laughs> a very young Eric Stoltz, yes. I had to describe. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I'm telling you. Oh God! I, I don't know else to say. Bless her <laughs> heart. That's right. So that's been kind of my my uh, past twenty four hours. Uh, I, you know, enemy territory, they say.